0: Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Daily Sales Show, where we bring you daily sales advice to help you sell better. I'm your host, Adrian Saya, and today we're here to talk about strategies on managing and growing your pipeline. If You've been in sales. You know that your pipeline is the heartbeat of your sales process with a dead pipeline, You have a dead sales process. So we're going to make sure that you have it to the best way that you can possibly have it. All right. So we're going to give you all the strategies to manage it with your time and additional cadences that can lead to greater results. So I'd love to know where you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat. I'd love to see some of these. We're usually worldwide. So it's great to see. I'm already seeing Anna here from Brazil. Also, everyone, switch your chat to everyone. Just click that blue button right there in the chat and switch it to everyone so we can see what you are posting. So I'm seeing we got Arlen from California. We have Jose from Bogota. Great to see you here, man. Welcome. I'm already seeing this blow up. We got Sharvan from Poon, India. was just in India myself. Incredible country. Absolutely loved it. So love to see you all here. Thank you for engaging in the chat and let's get into it. So, who are today's speakers? We have two very special guests for you today. We have Ali Forbes. He's a sales manager over at Vidyard and Brian Lamana. He is a mid market AE over at Gong. So, Brian, when it comes to pipeline, what can reps do to make sure it's consistently filled? Because I know there's always a lot of Last minute running and adding people to sequences. What can they do to get ahead of that worry?
2: Yeah, really great question. Um, And and it's a it's a challenge out there right now. I think it's top of mind with every different seller. And as you alluded to, if you have a dead pipeline, it's going to be a dead sales process from there. So pipeline is going to solve all of your problems. I think one of the things I try to do is do really specific. Uh, time blocking and just try to maximize my 40 hours per week to get more done uh, than than the person next to me or the other person on my team to just be really specific and intentional with my time instead of just uh, blocking off 30 minutes for prospecting. I'll get really specific and say, hey, I'm going to make 15 dials uh, during mm-hmm. that time, or I'm going to get two new accounts and sequences, things like that. I love that. And Ali, as a manager, what do you like to tell your reps? Uh, hey,
1: this is how you get ahead of this for your when it comes to pipeline.
0: Um mainly always prioritize like your outbound. Um because out inbound is a luxury. You never know if inbound's gonna be turned off. Um we just don't know what's ever going to happen. So focus on things that you can control. You also don't know what kind of flips you're gonna get from inbound. Um so focusing on your outbound to Brian's point, um being very intentional. I'm going to work 12 accounts today, like have your weekly goals and daily goals. And then within that, make sure you're you're tiering your accounts or the contacts that you want to reach out to, whether tier A, B, and C, one, two, three. So prioritize, obviously, your tier A, spend the most time there, tier Bs and tier Cs. I know we're going to get into it, but just creating different cadences, um, for those different tiers in so forth. Love it.
1: Well, we're we have so much more detail to go into on those subjects. I'm really excited to get started. So, before we begin, we do this show daily, guys. Yes, daily. So, We want to make sure that you are prepared for what's coming up so feel free to scan this qr code or visit us at sellbetter.xyz where you can grab tons of additional resources and tactics from over 100 top sales professionals like i said you can just click the link in the chat or scan this qr code right here now we wouldn't be able to do this without our partners so special shout out to vidyard and gong you guys don't know about these vidyard is one of the best ways to send video messages. They make it so easy to just click a link and you are ready in your browser to film a video. And Gong, if you want to do all the replays, you want to watch what happened in your meeting, Gong is one of the best ways to keep tabs on what you actually spoke on and by your intent. It's incredibly uh, well-made software. So be sure to check it out. And of course, our drop of the day, Gong is extremely excited. They just announced gong.io.engage. slash engage. It's Gong Engage. So what is it? It is a software that allows you to do outbound, but with AI incorporated into it. So it does a lot of the work for you in terms of how you should write an email, you know, ways you should reach out, gives recommendations. Check this out, guys. It's incredibly exciting. They just launched. I'm gonna go ahead and drop the link in the chat. And see what it's all about. So what are we covering today? But before I get into this, I want to know who is in the room? Do we have SDRs? Do we have AEs for online managers? This helps tailor the conversation, guys. So if I see a lot of managers, I'm asking manager-based questions. If I see a lot of AEs, I'll be like, hey, you know, Brian, I know you're an AE. Tell me about this experience specifically. So let me know who is in the room. This is incredibly important. So we're going to be covering. How to effectively fill and organize your sales pipeline. Techniques to identify those bottlenecks. They happen. You want to make sure they get over it. And lastly, how to prepare for Q3. It is around the corner. We're going to give you everything you need so that you're nice and ready. So I'm already seeing there's a lot of AEs here with about 9% frontline managers. Ali, does this surprise you at all?
0: Um, Not necessarily. Typically, I find there are more AEs. On, on webinars, but I've been joining a lot of the shows daily this week as a manager. And there's usually some managers representing, but most of us were account executives at one point. So I think it's for everyone. All right.
1: So let's get right into it. So in the pre-call, we talked about the importance of setting yourself up to win. Super important. Brian, you had this example for us. Can you break it down?
2: Yeah. And uh, the the way I think about this is different sales cycles and sales processes can be complex. Sometimes there's 5, 10 different meetings that will actually happen from the very beginning in the cycle all the way through to close. And it's sometimes difficult to think in terms of like A to Z, in terms of start to finish. So really, my goal is to always just think about the next step to win or thinking more about how to get from point A to point B, uh, just because it makes it a little bit easier and, and breaks down the process. So how I go about that is before every single call, I do really in-depth pre-call prep. As an example, if it's a first call, I'm going to research not only my POC I'm speaking with, but maybe other stakeholders that would typically be involved if the cycle continued, right? Maybe the VP above them or the chief executive officer, right? Whatever that might look like. I'll then jot down a couple of ideal outcomes to say, hey, if this, if this call goes the way I think it's going to, this would be the perfect next step, and then I'll have a couple of backup options as well. So it could be uh, option number one, set them up with a trial. Option number two, a deeper dive of the demo, and maybe the third ideal outcome is actually parting ways uh, and disqualifying it. Um, I'll then think a little bit more holistically in terms of like how that next step is going to get us from uh, through the entire process, and actually share a mutual act, mutual action plan or success plan with the prospect as well. And then at the very end of the call, I'm actually going to prescribe next steps. So instead of uh, just kind of rolling over at the end and being like, hey, Allie, you know, what do you think from today? I'm actually going to say something like, hey, Allie, are, are you open to a recommendation? And I'm just going to pause there. Allie's going to say, sure, Brian. Be like, what what do you have for me? And then I'm going to go ahead and, and actually prescribe what I think would be the next best step in the sales process to continue driving towards it all
1: as I love it because this seems like a great way to actually guide your prospect from one point, from plan A all the way to point Z, where you need them to need be in those next steps. Everyone, put a one in the chat. If you guys can see yourselves incorporating this into your process, especially with your prospects, right? You need to have these conversations go fluidly. This is a great roadmap. Now, Ali, I'm seeing here that we have about 42% AEs in the room, right? Now, as an AE, inbound is pretty prevalent. You need inbound to keep booking those meetings. But you said something in the pre-call that I felt was so important, and it's you have to stay up to date with your outbound. What did you mean by that? Why should reps not only forget about uh, outbound and not focus only on inbound?
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot of companies in this economic environment, for lack of a better term, a lot of organizations are trying to decrease spend, really evaluate what, their, what tools that they have, what can they cut? So, what like inbound for a lot of organizations has decreased. Um, but then obviously, there are times where inbound is just flying, but it doesn't really matter what state that is in. You should always be focusing on building your own book of business. You do have, as I said earlier, more control on the types of accounts that you want to be reaching out to, where sometimes with inbound, you don't really know what you're getting. They're qualified, but we don't really know how, how qualified that they are. And one day again, inbound could be just shut off and you still have your numbers to hit. So your daily and weekly KPIs. So it's good to, to stay on top of that. And this way it get you have again, full control. So someone, my old manager, before I started working at Vidyard, he gave me great advice saying, if you do a little every day, you'll never have to do a lot. Um, so that's, again, working backwards. How many new contacts or new accounts do I need to work on a weekly basis? Now, how do I work that out daily? Do I have vacation coming up? Do I need to front load some of my work? I know last month wasn't a great month for me, so maybe I'm going to do 1.5x the amount of outbound that I need to do without without burnout. That's always always important there. Um so yeah, really just staying on top of it, holding yourself accountable. And I really think it, it gives you ways that you can win. Brian mentioned earlier, like I like to do more work than the person beside me. And that's how I used to be as an accounting executive as well. When I was ramping, I didn't I didn't have the best ramp. So I was just looking for ways to meet other people, whether that was the most contacts work, mo- most meetings booked, most self-gen closed, um, just gives you those little wins. And again... Do that little bit of effort and then you'll see the results.
1: So true. You just got to keep doing the little things and they build up to something monumental. And that is one of the key ways to make sure your pipeline never runs dry, you know, because that is a big worry. You can't be scrambling at the end because sometimes it's just too late. So you always got to put in a little bit of effort so it builds up into monumental things. Now, Brian, you mentioned something as well, and it's how you should be spending your time. Now, one thing you mentioned is you want to make sure that you spend 80% of your time on these two things, either advancing pipeline or creating pipeline. Which one of these do you think should focus on more?
2: Yeah, it's going to be both and it's going to depend on a day-to-day basis. But I think if you start with a mindset of like, if you have 40 hours per week and every seller does as well, it's like, how can I get the absolute most use out of those 40 hours more than the person next to me. And the way I try to frame everything in terms of my day-to-day is how can I spend almost all of my time in essence on on these two things, either one, advancing pipeline or two, creating pipeline. There's going to be days where I'm just stacked up meeting after meeting and and candidly, it's going to fall more into the first bucket. And there's days like today, I only have two external meetings on my calendar. So I'm really going to spend and attack that white space on my calendar towards creating pipeline and, and setting myself up to succeed. I love what Allie mentioned earlier too, just that like inbound is a luxury. I want to create a plan past my quarterly and past my monthly quota that is not reliant on striking the inbound lottery. I, I think of it a little bit as a lottery if there's a great opportunity that comes in That's amazing, but I'm not going to be dependent on it to to find success or be happier. Okay.
1: Now, I would love to hear from everyone in the chat. Which one do you feel you spend the most time with? Just put it in the chat there. Are you usually focusing on advancing pipeline or creating pipeline? You know, depending on these answers, we could see maybe where your bottleneck could end up being, which we're going to be covering. So it looks like a lot of people are saying creating is what they're mostly focusing on, which I can totally see. It takes a lot of time. Uh, it it can be a big time spent just trying to prospect all the time and just mix it in. So you got to be able to balance both of them. Now, Ryan, you mentioned that one of the best ways that you do this is by scheduling your time appropriately. You had this example here of your calendar, right? Now, when I see this, I just see a lot of colors.
2: So tell me what is going on here? Yeah, if you get anxiety when you see this... Uh, it. it... It feels the same for me, but um, really the way I start every single day is I first go through my current pipeline. I just go one by one in terms of my active opportunities. And I I simply ask myself like, hey, is there anything I can do to advance this deal in any way? Is there a case study I could send? Is there a value touch? Uh, Could I confirm the meeting that's on Wednesday that maybe they hadn't accepted yet? So I kind of make that to-do list and I go ahead and I execute all those plays first thing in the morning. You can see that kind of block from like 9am to 10am. I'm just trying to do it in like deep work and not context switch a ton between like sending an email, prepping for a meeting, doing something else. And then from there, what I do is I look at the rest of my day that day and I time block with any open white space. So we see on that day at a couple internal meetings, that's in purple for me just to help myself visualize it. In Reddit's external meetings, I really didn't have much free time available till 4 and 4.30. So I make really specific action items. In my world, it was making 10 dials, sending the follow-ups for that day. And then it's really just on you to hold yourself accountable through that end of day and follow through on, on what you planned. Okay. And as a manager,
1: Ali, how do you advise reps to schedule their time when it comes to either filling or advancing pipeline?
0: Um, To Brian's point, being specific is the main key. So don't just have like prospecting, having their like 10 tier A accounts be really specific. So then you're checking that off your to-do list. Um, Also planning. I personally just like to plan the day before because things just change so quickly. I don't like to plan things weeks at a time. So at the end of the day, you should have time booked off plan for next day, like catch it from today and plan for the next day. Um, so there's the saying, if it's not in the calendar, it, it won't get done. Even for me, when I have to review gone calls, um, if it's not in my calendar, it won't get done. So I have to, in my calendar, review three pricing calls from my team and that's on a daily basis. So just being really specific, planning ahead, and then also just Reminding yourself that you're going to have to be a little bit flexible if you have that quick inbound that comes in, so that's why it's it's better to front load your week or month, not catching up um, at the end and not leaving that problem for future Ali or or future future Brian. Um, so just I would just say front loading, being specific and okay.
1: okay. All right now. You also had a great point, and it was on tiering accounts. You mentioned it at the beginning of this of this call. So when it comes to tiering accounts, how is this helpful for your pipeline?
0: Um, for the overall pipeline, if you tier your accounts, like if you have more tier A, tier B, and you should have goals on how many of those accounts that you want in your pipeline, or maybe it's a, a dollar amount. Typically those accounts and that pipeline is more qualified. They're more likely to purchase your platform. Um, so most I would say tier A, tier B pipeline or accounts, it's more real for lack of a better term. When we're in tier C, in terms of the buyer's journey, they're likely just in the aware stage and the interest stage. And that takes a lot more work to get them across the line um, versus like actually intent intent to buy. Um, and also we know prospecting takes a lot of time from research and finding the accounts and the prospects and actually actioning them. So this way you're you have more bang for your buck for lack of a better term for the work that you're already doing. Um so whether that's using like intent platforms, Vidyard, we're a product growth led organization. Some of you might use our free tool, so if you are, we might be reaching out to your uh, senior leadership on on having those conversations. So just making sure you're um, well, like you're you're building criteria around that and spending most of your time on tier A, B, B, and C. All right, tier A, and then and then maybe C.
1: Okay, so you want to make sure that your time is spent where it matters most, right? So that way it can create the most impact in your pipeline overall. So that's why tiering is so important and just placing the right focus where it's needed. Now, Brian, when it comes to tiering accounts, what is it that you like to do? And what do you tackle the most? Is it a specific tier?
2: Yeah, great question. I I do it really similarly to to Allie. And it sounds like Gong does it pretty similarly to to Vidyard. I know you all do ABC. We do one, two, three. So uh, same, same, same on that front. I think what I look for when I initially tier accounts, I usually do it more at the beginning of the year. And what I'll do is I'll go through all of my accounts and tier them one through three. What I'm looking for is a blend of two different things. One, um, what we call like size of prize. So that's how large the deal could be. Um, for us, we're a seat-based platform. So if they have a ton of sales reps, a ton of sellers, that could indicate it could be, you know, a six-figure type deal. And then I'm also looking at just like quickly off their website and LinkedIn, like how good of a fit I think they would be for our solution. So if they're a really good fit and it could be a really large deal, that's a tier one, right? Conversely, a tier three might be. They only have one or two sellers, and it's not really a typical industry we go after or worked with in the past. So that might be more of a tier three. So from a prospecting sense, I actually go after all the tier ones first, right? Those are the best ones. Those are the largest, the best fits. And then I progress to tier two in my world, tier three means I, I probably won't ever touch them. If they come inbound, that's amazing, but I'm going to really spend 80% of my time on the you know 20% of the accounts that I know will have the highest impact.
1: Okay. Now, I like how you said you really want to focus on those tier ones, make sure that you reach out in every way possible, right? Because that is where the bread and butter is. So, you got to place a lot of focus there. Now, a lot of times people will sell, tell you that tier three is like the, uh, man, I'm reaching at the last drops in the bucket here. But is there a way, Do you have you found value in still focusing on that tier three a little bit more intently at some points? Uh,
2: has it worked out for you in the past? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give a candid answer. Uh, I've tried. I've not found success with it. Uh, I think recently in the last six to 12 months, just the the spray and pray type approach has has not been as effective from a prospecting lens with uh, you know folks getting more emails than ever. If it's simply automated, I found that they typically don't get opened or just get deleted. So where I'll actually spend my time, if I've already exhausted tier ones and tier twos, I'll actually start resequencing tier ones that maybe I tried two or three months ago mm. and didn't yield any result. Um, I actually did that similarly with a tier one that I went after at the beginning of the year in January, February timeframe. And I just landed a meeting with them uh, last week. And I'd already sent you know six or seven emails. I'd already called six or seven times. But we got to keep in mind for prospects, they receive hundreds of different emails per day. I think the stat I saw most recently was like 117 per day is what the average exec sees. Um, so it's not necessarily that they're ignoring you or not interested. You just have to stay persistent. And if you're really confident that they're a great fit or solution for what you sell. Um, go after them and, and keep your focus um, on those, you know, twenty percent of accounts that would have the highest impact. Okay, that resequencing is so pivotal. I really like that.
1: You want to be able to make sure that you can hit them in multiple angles, and maybe they just didn't see your first messages. Uh, allowing the resequencing gives it a higher chance that they'll actually reply. So I really like that strategy. Now let's get into bottlenecks. Because man, oh man, do they occur. It happens very often in the sales process. Ali, you had a great quote here from the pre-call. You said, the biggest inaction that causes bottlenecks is not booking the next step. So when you said this, uh, what did you mean exactly?
0: Um, Yeah, basically when you get those prospects who will just send, send me the proposal, send me the info and I'll get back to you, just being okay with that and letting... That is what's going to cause those bottlenecks. You always want to have a meaningful next step in the calendar, not just a reconnect um, or just a blanket next step. And this sort of aligns with a mutual action plan um, because I think there was a question in there, how, when should you do mutual action plans? And I recommend after every call, it could be really simple or it could be more complicated involving security and legal, but just making sure that the prospect Brain is what you chatted about, your proposal to leadership. They were gonna actually talk about those conversations. We're gonna do what we used to do on our end, whatever that is. And then we're gonna talk about that. We like to label ours like a decision call. Whether you have a decision or not, we're helping you drive towards a decision. Um, because and this again, this helps you qualify or dead out ops a lot faster because you can get real time answers versus, you know, those ghosts that you'll, you're still gonna deal with ghosts, but Versus just hoping they'll come back to you and holding on to them for a couple of months or weeks. Okay. Yeah.
1: Now let's talk a little bit of that about that mutual action plan. Uh, what does that exactly look like? Are those just next steps that both you and the prospect need to take to move the deal forward?
0: That's basically it. You could think of it as homework, but you will never want to position it that way. Um, <laughs> that's work uh for your prospect, but positioning it in a way like listen, just so I can make the best use of your time when when we connect i'm going to send you the proposal you're going to present it to your ceo on tuesday you mentioned they'll be concerned about adoption so i'm going to send you resources to help you with that conversation um and we'll speak like wednesday morning and i'll come prepared with like your your tailored pricing um and then we can create or move drive towards a decision whether that's a yes or no i support you either way
1: Okay, cool. So it looks like you're taking almost like a coaching all right, uh, standpoint. You got to kind of mentor them on the best ways to move the deal forward.
0: Exactly. We'll get into this in a bit, but you're almost like a project manager at this mm. point.
1: <laughs> so as you guys can see, the sales role can be multifaceted. You're not just selling. Sometimes you're also being that project manager, but it's so necessary to make sure your your deals actually move forward. Now, I have a question here for everyone because we're about to get into this topic where there's a lot of juicy details. And it's, do you have a separate cadence for different tiers of prospects, right? Are you guys shooting the best cadence to everyone or are you separating it by tiers? We'd love to know what you guys' thoughts are on this. And Brian, you actually do have separate cadences. And you mentioned that your best one is highly, highly personalized. So can you break this down for me? What exactly is this cadence?
2: Yeah. So this is what a typical like cadence or sequence would look like for that. Uh using the examples that are like a tier A or a tier one, where maybe it's like a, a chief, you know, something officer, chief executive officer as an example. Um, so what this looks like is instead of just sending uh what most other people do in terms of like one personalized email and then the rest being automated, I don't really want like a chief revenue officer in my world at my best account to get all of my pretty blanket and generic type messaging. So I'm actually going to have three different manual emails built into this cadence before it starts becoming a little bit more automated. So I have three manual ones. I have some calls in between as well. Ideally, would love to get them on the phone and and talk through some of the uh, messaging I put over email as well. And then from there, I can let it go a little bit more automated, just because at the end of the day, you're not going to want to spend, uh, you know, all of your time crafting these personalized emails if, if they're not going to give you the the time of day. Okay, so I'm seeing
1: here that your sequence is you have a lot of a lot of multi-channel approach here, right? Do you feel like you ever wear out your prospect if you're hitting them up into many different angles, or is this what reps really need to do to just get their attention?
2: Great question. I try to go hard and pretty fast. I think my goal when I'm reaching out to any account is to simply break through. Even if it's a no, or it's a reach back out in two months, that to me is a win. Because the last thing that I want to do is spend time on five to six different contacts, add an account, put them all in 22-step, 36-day sequences, and then hear nothing back from all five or six people and be unsure then, hey, do I go after them in two months? Should I never target them? So I try to take a little bit more of a personalized approach, go really hard, go really fast and quick. And um, you know, if it's not a fit, hopefully they'll let me know. And if it is, uh, hopefully we'll have uh, time on the calendar.
1: Okay. So I would love to hear from our audience. What are you guys doing? So I'm seeing here in the cadences with the question we just asked, about 67% of you do have separate cadences for different tiers, 29% of you said no, and 4% said, why do I even need a separate cadence, right? So we just covered this, it is very important. So that way you can get that personalization in there so they have a higher chance of actually reaching back out to you. So we will love to hear from you all, put it in the chat. Let me know, do you prefer a personalized cadence or that automatic cadence? Just put in personalized or automatic. If you prefer one or the other, let me know why. Right. Do you, you going with personalized because you get actual replies or automatic because you get more volume? Which, hey, I've done both. So <laughs> I get it. Now, as a manager, Allie, when it comes to these highly personalized cadences, is there anything you like to tell your reps to do if they're going to be taking this route?
0: Um, well, working at a video company, we definitely wanna be using video first touch. Like we we mark a new contact work is if you send a personalized video to that contact and the rest of it can be automated the thoughts email is pretty commonly used but responding basically bumping your personalized video back up to the top i think there's another way we say thoughts some folks do it a little more cheeky um just to get people's attention i really liked how brian's cadence was only 16 days like a shorter cadence mm-hmm. he's a like executive like i've had 90-day cadence is just to keep touch, but was just a waste of time and all, and a waste of touch because by after day 16, I'm not actually thinking about this account anymore. I'm not being intentful. So a shorter cadence, keep, again, saves you time making sure your outreach is purposeful and hopefully you, you get a yes or a no as quick as you can. So I think the length of your cadence is also important to think about as well.
1: All right. And I see Justin in the chat here mentioned, automatic only works when crossing a super high relevance threshold uh Brian do you agree with this
2: yeah I think it I think it varies in terms of a approach I think you've got to know your book of business right and if you have lower size deals and maybe ten thousand accounts you have to take a little bit more of an automatic type approach to reach all of them and share a little bit about your offer and conversely, if you only had 10 accounts to like draw the extreme parallel, you, you want to take a super hyper personalized approach because uh, you, you need to land a meeting with almost every single one of them, right? If you only had that few. So I think uh, what Justin's referring to there is just, if you're able to create an automatic type of uh, sequence, especially to like maybe a specific vertical or a specific persona, um, it, it can it can drive meaning because all the templates there are relating to that you know specific industry or persona as well. Okay.
1: Now I know you had another type of sequence here, and one is the low personalization cadence. Since we're already on the topic of automated, can you tell me more about this one? When do you like to use it?
2: Yeah, great great example here. So in this case, I'm I still want to have some form of uh, personalized first touch, but I don't want to spend a ton of time creating, you know, personalized touch after personalized touch. So could be an example of a tier one account where maybe it's a lower level POC or um, a persona we typically wouldn't work with, but you know wanted to put them in the sequence anyways. I'll just create that first message that's a little bit more customized. You can do, you know, six or seven minutes on a personalized email. You could do a video from Vidyard that would probably just take about sixty seconds. Um, and then from there, it's going to be a lot more automated, uh, just in terms of any messaging that that's already pre-built. Okay. And you mentioned that you're, you're slowly dwindling down
1: with the personalization, and now you're going to go fully automatic. So how about these zero personalization cadence? So it sounds like you use the other one for those tier twos, potentially, and this one is the one that's going to those tier threes. Why are you going more automatic as opposed to personalized on these?
2: yeah, it, it could be this could be used for tier threes just because you're able to to do them pretty quickly and start to get that activity up. You can also do them in um, tier ones or tier twos just with like lower level contacts that maybe wouldn't be like the perfect person for the meeting, but you want to get some messaging sent their way. So as an example, if I decide to sequence four different people on a tier two account, maybe that fourth person, I don't want to spend a lot of calories and a lot of time on. So i'm going to do something a little bit more automated to still kind of get the the name recognition and a couple touches their way and um you know hope that they respond and hope for the best okay
1: like i really like that and i'm actually seeing matthew here in the chat he wants to see your sequence structure again (laughs) wait jay i don't blame you so we do have one here it's the low personalization matthew so make sure you get a little quick snapshot of this you want to make sure that you have this mix of automated to manual as you can see here, he has five automatic um, five calls, five automatic emails, and then one manual. And then the last one is all auto, six auto emails, and three calls. Guys, I can't stress this enough, cold calling needs to be a part of your pipeline creation. It needs to do, you gotta do it. I know many people like to stray away from cold calling because it's a little nerve wracking, but it's the best way to get a deal, you know? There's no better way than just getting them right on the phone, they hear your voice, and you can guide that conversation. So besides this, there are other ways that you should be guiding your reps, right, Ali? So you actually spoke about different questions that you like to ask your reps when it comes to meetings. Um, Can you tell me more about these?
0: Yeah, this is sort of, essentially, this helps reps, like, understand if they have all the information that they need and helps them prioritize what up op- what sorry what opportunities that they want to again spend the most calories on spend the most effort on so once you have someone in the meeting they've agreed to a next step again not are your, you're a project manager um and you, you need to especially right now over understand because if you don't ask the tough questions the objection is still there. What's ever going to stall your deal is still there. You just don't know what it is. So you want to not challenge was the only word I can think of, but make sure the person that you're speaking with is, are they your true champion or are they just an influencer or a coach? Sometimes you get lucky and you get the decision maker and the signer. They're the same person or they're both, both on the call there. So make sure you have you're connected with the right persons. That's a question I'll always ask them, and that's a question we layer it in our process as well to help the reps understand if they are speaking to the correct person. Um, do they have a true problem? Right. You want to position whatever you're selling, whether it's Gong or Vidyard or CRM. You want to make sure that you position what you're selling as a business solution. So, video, Vidyard, we're not just a video solution; we're a business solution, helping. With sales meetings, sales pipeline, closing revenue, do does your person, does a company you're speaking with actually have those problems? If not, then like out of curiosity, why are we speaking? Why are we speaking here today? All as well, is there a need to change? Um, so sometimes the risk of a deal not closing is that there is no problem, um, which does happen. Um, is there urgency to solve that problem? And you can lean on this as well um, to drive urgency. You don't have to resort to discounting, like. It's, do we want to get this solved, not just from your champion's perspective, but as the business as a whole? And again, what are the risks? Is it price? Is it competition? Is it that there's no problem? So those are questions you should always be asking yourself after a call before you head into the, your decision call or your next steps call and make sure you have all the information that you need.
1: I like how you mentioned the, do they have urgency to solve the problem? Because I think a lot of reps do lean on discounting as a form of just getting the deal across the line. But at the end of the day, it does come back to bite you, right? Because the average contract size now becomes significantly less. And now you may not meet all the criteria you need for your end of you know, end of quarter metrics. So you got to be sure that you focus on that urgency piece because it's so pivotal. You know, you don't always just need to lean on discounting. Now, I want to hear from our audience. Are you guys prepared for Q3? Do you feel like you're prepared? You feel like you're behind? You know, I want to get a feel for the room. Is there more worry or you guys are super confident? We'd love to know from you all. Let us know. I see Anna here in the chat. I am in panic. Well, and I hope that this Show has been able to lessen that panic a bit and know that you can be prepared now, Ryan, when it comes to preparing for q three, I know you told me you'd like to set reminders. How do you like to go about this
2: yeah and and i'll I'll share uh, a lot of people feel the same way. It's still June 8th. We got a little bit of time, but the urgency is is definitely there for for me and a lot of other folks over the next couple of weeks the The way I try to stay on top of it, especially kind of through the second half of the year is uh. In the first half of the year, if I get a rejection from an account I'm prospecting or if I turn an op closed lost, the first thing I do is I actually set a reminder on Google Calendar or you know you can use any other system as well and I set a reminder for when I want to start reaching out to them again. And the reason why I do it right after I turn something closed lost or right after you know they reject me and you know that sequence turns off, is I'm going to know and and think about it like it's the most fresh then in terms of when it'll actually make sense. So if they said, hey, timing's bad, we can't sign today, reach back out in Q4, I'm probably going to set a reminder like the month before. I'm not going to wait till Q4, I'm going to set it a month before to start re-engaging with them and going after it. If you do this well, you'll actually start to walk into the later months in August, September, October, hopefully each week with at least one or two prospects, that can be a little bit more of like warm conversations and re-engaging them um, versus just you know striking new uh, cold ones. Okay. And Ali, you had
1: one here. And it's if you want to prepare yourself for Q3, you just got to focus your time on what matters most. And that is the AOV. Now, can you tell the audience what does AOV stand for?
0: Yeah, so we use AOV at Yard average order value, so your average deal size. Um, so basically, again, it's t- especially right now. It's it's harder to get budgets approved. Um, there's you're involving finance a lot more, CFOs a lot more, even in the smaller organizations. So you're going to be working as hard on your smaller deals, to, typically, just as much as your larger deals. So looking at your pipeline, and now just with, like we're tiering our accounts for outbound, now we can start tiering our opportunities in our pipeline and then if you look at the questions that we just had previously up making sure you have the answers to all of those questions there are a lot more obviously that um I make sure my team um, understands as well but this way every time you're meeting again with your customers for those larger deal sizes you're helping them drive towards that decision you're not backtracking because you don't have the answers that you need Um, so that's my short synopsis there on that.
1: (laughs) I love it. It's very important. You're going to be working the same amount on those small and big deals. So you might as well focus on the ones that are going to provide you the best return, especially when it comes to Q3, it's around the corner. So focus on what's going to make the biggest impact, right? You want to actually get tunnel vision with those big deals because they bring the biggest amount of value. Now, we did ask our audience, do you feel prepared? Now, I wanna share some of these results. About 63% of our audience said, no, I am not ready for Q3. And only 26% said, yes, my pipeline is ready to go. 11% let us know in the chat how they feel. Now, I hope this show provided you guys some good tips that can help you prepare for that Q3 in a good way. You gotta make sure that you are able to set aside your time to what matters most. Now, I want to get into Q&A here, but before I do, Brian, where can the people find you?
2: Great question. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. uh, And I also have a newsletter on my LinkedIn as well, where I uh, write once a week on Mondays to to set everyone up for success, hopefully. Okay. And Ali, where can the people find you?
0: They can find me on LinkedIn as well. I do not have a newsletter. I'm not as active on LinkedIn anymore, but maybe one day (laughs) I'll start posting a bit more.
1: Okay. So let's get into some of these Q and A's. Now, I see here that we had a great question here from Conrad. He asked, hey, Brian, how do you deal with your leadership team interacting with your champion influencer during your sales cycle? Do you feel the internal support helps drive deals or detracts from your own?
2: Really great question, Conrad. I think in, in general, the simple answer is it helps add value. I think when they start to level up in their sales cycle or sales process, it poses a good opportunity for you to level up as well. So for example, if I was selling to Allie here, I was trying to sell her gong, and then we did a further demo and she looped in her VP of sales, I might loop in one of my sales leaders and kind of match power with power. So I think that's one good opportunity. I think just look for ways that folks on your internal leadership team cannot just reach out but add value and offer perspective in one way or another. If you sell to marketers, could you help plug in your CMO or your VP of marketing and have them connect one-on-one to offer their perspective on on how they leverage your solution? So just think creatively in terms of how you can, um, can drive things forward like that. Okay. I like that a lot. Now we have time here for one more
1: question. I'm seeing Bobby here asking the chat, do you structure an offer that you incorporate in your sequences to set first meetings? If so, what are some examples that you currently use? Um, Ali, do you have any type of advice for Bobby here?
0: Um, I'm assuming a type of an offer, structure an offer, that means like call to action. To- I'm
1: thinking he's focusing more on the call to action because that's how you go about pitching. It. Yeah.
0: Um, typically on like your touches, you do you want to incorporate some sort of call to action, especially those first again one or two? Um, some of your steps can be educational, just starting that conversation, like starting a dialogue. Like, are you experiencing similar issues? Like, would love to hear from you. Um, one of my reps, she got highlighted on like an outbound podcast, and her offer or call to action was like worth a convo? Question mark. So now it's not a meeting. Now it's not positioned as work it's a conversation between account executive and VP of sales. So I really like that call to action there. And if you use Vidyard, you can put a call to action in your video and it makes it really easy.
1: (laughs) I love it. So make sure to incorporate those call to actions, focus on the interest based call to action, not just pitching for time. You don't want to do that. So you want to make sure that you get the interest first before you go for time. All right. So thank you so much for this conversation, Brian. This has been fantastic. Ali, thank you so much. This has been very, very good. And it's been very jam-packed with with gems that people can incorporate into their flow. Thank you so much to everyone who joined and, and actually engaged in the chat. Love to see it. Keep on doing it. And as always, be sure to remember these three things. Keep those cadences. You want to make sure you have a cadence for each tier. And time block you want a time block so you're actually prepared make sure that you set aside time to fill and move that pipeline and lastly ask yourself those pivotal questions is my champion actually on board do they actually have a need ask these pivotal things because they will help move that deal along so thank you everyone for tuning in and of course we will catch you on the next one